Welcome to another episode of Harvest Series, a podcast following a four-day experience in Kaplankaya on the southwestern Asian coast of Turkey, filled with fascinating talks and workshops to harvest knowledge and nurture the planet, an event produced by Athena Advisors and Capital Partners. The intention that I hold as a facilitator, because there's many different ways to do breath work. You know, there's some breath work practices that are to energize you. Some breath work practices are just to relax you. Some breath work practices are all about um, performance, uh, extreme sports. Uh, some breath work practices are very trauma-based, really about working on trauma. The way that I hold space is about really inviting people into their own sovereignty. And what I mean by that is really allowing people to go where they're ready to go. So you activate the breath, you begin to take in all this life force, chi, prana. The breath is the most powerful way to activate your, your own energy body. And everybody's in a different space. I am Rose, a French journalist based in Barcelona. And this episode is an interview made in Caplancaya with Lisa de Narvaez, NYU certified coach and master breathwork teacher and spiritual technologies committed to the evolution of human consciousness. Her trailblazing style has made her a crowd favorite among prestigious organizations such as Summit Series, Bloomberg and Google. Lisa has a really special relationship with Harvest and is the only speaker or practitioner who's been there to all six events, even organizing a breath retreat for some lucky few during the sixth one. When you ask people going to Harvest what they like most in the event, Lisa's breathwork would almost always come in the top three. No wonder if some people would call it a meditation hack. Access to a transcendental state without having to stand on a pillow for years. And I could experience a session with her and was amazed, but I'll tell you a bit more about it later. I asked Lisa, how does she like Harvest as one of the pillars of the event? I mean, I think the answer's in the question. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, ever since the beginning, I just felt such a, such a powerful intention of kindness, of community, of uh, generosity of spirit, of curiosity, of openness. And um, I just fell in love with them, with everybody here, and uh, been delighted to continue coming back every year. You have to imagine hundreds of people laying down on the grass on a towel with the agency at the back. Lisa, with a white hat, is on stage explaining what is going to happen and making the new joiners feel safe. She also does a lot of warnings for people with special conditions. Let's listen to an extract of this session that opens harvest. So in this practice, we're going to be breathing into the belly, we're going to begin to activate some of the stuck energy, then we begin to breathe up into the heart center. Okay. Physiologically, the meridians of the heart go down to the hands. Okay. So sometimes in this practice, when we begin to take in all this chi, prana, life force into our own physiology, um, we can have an experience of a little bit of tingly sensation in the hands, all the way to some people have an experience of cramping in the hands. Right? I kind of tend to do this thing. So who here has done breath work has had the cramping in the hands? Okay. Can you do me a favor? For all the new people in the house, can you just do this? and show the new people in the house that your hands came back. Okay, so for those of you that are new, if you have this experience, your hands are gonna come back. 
and you're going to remember this ridiculous moment of the hands doing this because your mind is going to freak out a little bit. Okay? What I do like to say is, well, first of all, it's kind of like I visualize you're taking in a fire hydrant of chi into your body through your mouth, and your fingers are like little hoses that don't quite yet know what to do with so much chi. Okay? And they're like, so the energetics of this actually trumps the physiology. And what I mean by that is when people first start coming to breath work, you might have the experience of a lot of this cramping, tingly sensation. If you keep coming to breath work, you start moving some of this stuff energy, there's less resistance, less fear, the energy begins to flow with more ease and more grace. So there's less cramping in the hands. Okay? There is the, the experience, so it's like the same person, same breath, same body, different physiological response. We are playing with the balance of carbon dioxide and oxygen in our body. So with that, I do like to invite everybody to really be self-responsible in terms of how deep and how fast you go in this practice, okay? If at any point during the practice the sensations begin to be too much, all you have to do is slow down the breathing, okay? You begin to breathe through the nose, you begin to rebalance the carbon dioxide and oxygen in your system, the sensations begin to lessen, Right? Then when and if you're ready, you can go back into the act of breathing. Okay? Some people enjoy the experience of the cramping. Okay? Some people really don't like it. So what I like to invite, like I said, is to really be self-responsible. My experience is that we don't have to put our bodies into that state to access a transcendent state. Okay? We're already connected. We don't have to work that hard. Okay? So what I also find is that when people slow down the breath, begin to lessen the sensations, and then go back in, that begins to create actually more safety and more trust for you to be able to go deeper. Lisa works with a very intentional playlist. She's also inviting people to make sounds with her to help move the energy. After some deep, connective breathing, there could be a change for some people in the state of consciousness. And that's when the journey begins. But Lisa said, if you have feeling like fear, sadness or anger, celebrate it. You don't have to figure it out with your mind. You can do two years of therapy, she says, because it can completely bypass the mind. Does Lisa have a special technique or even better, a secret? Uh, there is no secret. It's actually, it, it's really about developing a relationship both with our breath, with our intention, um, and combining those two in a way that begins to give us access to tapping into something deeper within ourselves. So I'm not sure in terms of the question if you want me to explain the whole technique in terms of how it actually works. The type of breathwork I facilitate helps to both shift the chemistry of your body, right? helps to move us from a more sympathetic fight or flight state into a parasympathetic rest and digest. So we go from, like most of us tend to have a habit of chronically shallow breathing. Do you ever catch yourself shallow breathing when you're rushed, stressed? Yeah, sure. Right? So it's kind of an unconscious thing. So I always, when I teach, I always like to share the story of a bear, right? So if you're walking through the woods and you come across the bear, what are the chances that you're going to be like, there's a bear. Yeah, right? You go, there's a bear, right? And so when we shallow breathe, we're basically telling our body there's a state of emergency. Something is happening. We're in fight or flight. We're releasing adrenaline and cortisol into our body. As soon as we take a deep breath, we begin to shift, like I said, into the parasympathetic nervous system. We start to release feel-good hormones, oxy oxytocin, serotonin. We basically tell the body, I am safe. 
Okay, so the first thing that happens in the work that I facilitate is I help people recognize the power of their breath in ways that gives them more access to choice, right? When you shift the chemistry of your body, you're able to respond more clearly to life versus being in that reactive emergency state. And then another thing that happens in this practice is that this particular style that I teach helps to quiet down the frontal lobe of the brain. And the frontal lobe of the brain is where what I call the monkey mind resides. It's that part of our brain that's constantly projecting into the future, into the past, analyzing the pros, the cons. I always like to say it's a thing that dogs don't have, right? Dogs are just in the present moment, in the present moment, <laughs> wagging their tail. And in the present moment is where really all the magic happens, right? If you think of a special moment with a loved one, a moment in nature, you're not thinking. I mean, if you're really enjoying it, you're really present, you're not thinking about the past, the present. As human beings, the more access we have to developing choice around when we're using our mind to create, to do all the amazing things we get to do as humans, it's what makes us different from dogs, right? To then develop the access to choice around when we're using that part of our brain versus when we're in presence. And the more access to choice we have to that, then the richer life becomes, right? The more we're able to actually have an embodied experience, a presence uh, that allows us to really take in the beauty of life and also take in inspiration in a very different way. There are certain things that our mind is really good at creating in the logical way, but in terms of inspiration, spirit in, it's a whole other way of creating, and this practice facilitates that. Everyone keeps talking about a meditation with Lisa, I believe, and I want to try that so badly. I've heard the most amazing things about it. My cousin, she said she went twice and she cried both times. Yeah, and she felt like spirits were connecting with her from somewhere else. It sounds very cool. At the end of the session, Lisa takes some time for an important moment. Everyone sits in a circle holding hands and people who won't share their experience. One of the participants moved everyone by saying that during the session she had reconciled with her late father. For someone who's never done a session with Lisa, these transcendental reactions might seem surprising, crazy or unreal. And yet, I too was able to let go and started to have visions for the first time in my life. I asked Lisa if she was amazed by the reactions she was facilitating. <laughs> well, I don't make it. People go where they're ready to go. And that's what I love about, about this style of breath work and also the intention that I hold as a facilitator because there's many different ways to do breath work. You know, there's some breath work practices that are to energize you. Some breath work practices are just to relax you. Some breath work practices are all about um, performance, uh, extreme sports. Uh, some breath work practices are very trauma-based, really about working on trauma. The way that I hold space is about really inviting people into their own sovereignty. And what I mean by that is really allowing people to go where they're ready to go. So you activate the breath, you begin to take in all this life force, chi, prana. The breath is the most powerful way to activate your, en your own energy body. And everybody's in a different space, right? So when you begin to activate your own healing capacity through the breath, and you will create an open space, and a space where it's not necessarily about coming to fix yourself, it's the space of coming to remember the truth of who you are. So within that space, within that container, some people go straight to bliss, some people need to process some old emotions, 
emotion. Some people come up against fear. Some people go straight to love. Some people, so for everybody, it's a little bit different. And that's what I love about creating an open space and really inviting people into their own sovereignty to explore what they're ready to explore, as opposed to having an agenda, like today we're going to work on trauma or today we're going to open our hearts. It's like, no, we're all coming from such different walks of life. We're all in different moments in our life. And the reality is every time you do breath work, you're going to have a different experience depending on where you're at, what you're processing, how much stress you have in your life, what kind of old trauma you might have in your system that you are now ready to feel or not, right? So that's the space that I like to hold and what I like to invite. So in terms of being amazed by it, yes, I'm always amazed. <laughs> I'm always amazed by how courageous people are. And when people really allow themselves to release and to quiet down the mind and to drop into these deeper transcendent states, there's just so much potency and so much magic that can happen. And not only on an emotional and mental level, but even on a physical level, right? Some people, they've had you know injuries in their body for years. And after one breathwork session, the energy has moved through where that energy was stuck in their body and they moved into a place of healing. So miraculous things have happened in classes on all levels, on mental, emotional, physical, energetic. And I'm always amazed. I'm I'm always in awe, and I'm always just so grateful that we have this access, right? To, to remember really the truth of who we are. And I think I noticed also you're very good to uh, make people trust you. You, mm. you put a lot of uh, attention mm -hmm. so that you create some uh, some uh, trust yeah. between the people and you. That makes it very special. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's important about about being a space holder, right? To really hold a container in a space where people feel safe to release and to trust, to let go. Um, and I think that's something that's cultivated over the years. I've been studying meditation for over 30 years now, and I've done all the things in terms of being able to experiment. And, and you know, I've always had this quest of like, well, who are we as humans? And, and where do we get stuck? And why are we not just all in love with each other all the time? Because really, if you think about it, deep down, everybody just wants to love and be loved. It doesn't matter like what's going on and how they're acting out and what kind of things have happened in their life that have shut them down from that truth. But really, deep down, that's what we want as humans. And that's the truth of who we are as love. So you know, these 30 years of studying meditation and all different types of self-development practices, self-inquiry practices, like you name it, I've tried it. It's an ongoing quest to this day. It's never ending. It, it still continues to expand. But I think there's just so much richness in, in having studied all these things, but then coming to something so simple as a breath, right? That it's not complicated, it doesn't have to be hard, right? That we don't have to study all these different modalities like I did <laughs> to get to the truth. Literally, you can lie down, breathe for 20 minutes, and you tap, in, you tap into a deeper wisdom, into a deeper knowing, um, and that's really exciting. Lisa traveled everywhere. In 1995, she was invited to a Tibetan Buddhist meditation just outside Kathmandu, thinking it would help her to answer some of her questions. It was the beginning of a long journey of inquiry that took her to studying the Yoga Sutras in India, practicing Chinese Taoist meditations in the north of Thailand, playing with alternative meditation practices in Nepal, being transformed through breathwork and rebirthing in Australia and doing personal development training in America. I asked Lisa, what is it she's looking for? The truth. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> did you find it? <laughs> did you get close to it? Well, it's over, it's always evolving, right? There, yes. There's always going to be an ongoing evolution, and this is what I'm so passionate about, right, as humans. But I think the truth is is love, right? The truth is love, and and whatever's in the way of that is what we have an opportunity as a human being to recognize that. We don't need to fix ourselves, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with us. We've just forgotten, right? So there's layers of false beliefs, there's layers of patterns, there's layers of trauma that have gotten in the way of us being able to tap into that truth. But when we feel safe, we're in the presence of love. We're able to embody the truth of who we are. So it's about releasing all that conditioning. It's about releasing all the ways that we live in our head and begin to create enough safety to be in our bodies and to be genuinely connected with other humans. And it's why I love this event so much because there's such a invitation to that kind of openness. And that's why I'm so honored that they continue inviting me to open the event, right? Because when we start the event with a Bliss Point journey, People go there right away, right? They go straight to the heart. And when they finish a Bliss Point journey, then that connection, that human connection, that shared human experience is right there and available. And it sets the tone for the whole four days because you bypass, you know, how it takes sometimes, you know, you have to have a glass of wine or this or that, or you do the chit chat and maybe in a day or two, I mean, sometimes it happens instantly with people, but a lot of times it takes a while to get to the surface, to create that vulnerability. And so to be able to begin an event with that openness is just so, I feel it's such a blessing because then we get to really connect and really learn and really receive and really take in all the amazing speakers that come because the heart is open in that space. In your very long and uh, active mm. quest mm. search, can you remember two moments, uh, one where you were out of your comfort zone uh -huh. and one that really moved you, transformed you? Well, I would say... Yes, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, especially when you're, in path of, when you're on the path of awakening, yeah. like every moment is an opportunity to awaken and to remember. Um, but I would say that, you know, I grew up in Colombia and I left when I was 17 years old. You know, I always thought I was going to go to university in the States and I was like an Ivy League, you know, going to an Ivy League school and did super well in school in Colombia. And then my father went broke about a year before I finished school. And I was kind of thrown into the space of like, nobody could think straight. I could have probably got a scholarship, but it just, just wasn't aligned for me uh, to like take the steps to make it happen. So I ended up traveling instead. And because I had a Colombian passport, this was in the 90s, you know, it was difficult to travel with a Colombian passport. So that's why I ended up living in so many different countries because my visa would run out. So I would stay, I lived in Paris, I started in Paris as an au pair, which was a completely different experience. Growing up in Colombia, I was so taken care of. And, you know, so I left and in Paris, I was taking care of somebody else's family. It was a complete shift in paradigm. And then from Paris, I moved to London. You know, I was in London for a couple of years and from London to Tokyo for half a year. Then I was in Thailand for a year. I lived in Australia for a year. Like everywhere I lived, I had to land and figure it out, right? And so land and figure out how to make a living, where to live, how to create community. And I always say this was like pre-internet, pre-Facebook, pre-Google. Like I couldn't Google where I was going to stay. <laughs> right? It was just this, this intuition that I developed, right? And it was this quest, this like thirst for understanding who we are. And, And, you know, people ask me, like, how did, how did you develop these skills? And it was really an ongoing opportunity of trust, 
right? And in all those years of traveling, I always landed on my feet. I always figured it out. And it was challenging and it was scary and it was all the things. <laughs> but at the same time, it developed this deep trust and this deep resiliency um, and this deep awareness of myself as source. And that I'm able to, to really, you know, in that sense of trust and that sense of honoring my intuition to find my way. And I think that's also what creates the space for people when I hold space to trust because I have a deep embodied trust of life. I have a deep embodied trust that life is happening for me, even when things get hard, even when, you know, challenging things show up in my life and I struggle and old emotions come up and I doubt myself and I doubt all the things. I know that my practice now is just to continue breathing through that and to allow those things to continue moving through me. And when I don't resist it, that creates a deeper resiliency, that creates a deeper trust. So I feel that what we cultivate inside of us is what then we're able to offer. Right. And so, yeah, so all those years of traveling and finding my way. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Isa. No wonder you're having a lunch with uh, Wade Davis, the anthropologist. <laughs> uh, you must have a lot in, in common. Yeah. I mean, Wade's a whole other level of exploration. <laughs> yeah, we're both, we're both curious seekers in different ways. Yeah. But time now to ask Lisa about things we can do when she's not here with us. I asked her, How can you get rid of the bad energy when you wake up in the morning? So I, I, that's actually a really interesting question because I think there's many different ways of, okay, there's many different ways of living in the world, right? And we all have our particular perception of what is good, what is bad, what's healthy, what's not healthy. I mean, there's just so many different ways to perceive and to move through the world. And there's a lot of modalities that work around like protecting yourself from people's energy or things like this. And the reality is we all have a certain degree of sensitivity, right? Of being able to feel what other people are feeling. But my personal experience and how I move through the world and how I teach and facilitate is that I don't need to protect myself, right? I feel that in my sovereignty and the understanding of who I am as energy and that we're all connected, right? If I quote unquote have this energy, like, you know, people say you took on the bad, bad energy. The reality is you're only going to take on something that's already inside of you, right? So as opposed to it being something that comes from the outside, it's actually triggering something that's inside of you, right? And so when that triggers something inside of you, instead of blaming it on the other person, you get to have an experience of self-responsibility of what that person is, in, is, is bringing forth that already lives, right, inside of me. Right? So when I teach, I don't need to protect myself. I just hold that space as a sovereign being. Right? And then if something comes up, then I get curious around what that is. Yeah, and it's not to say that I don't, like, I definitely love to take salt baths and I love to, I love to be in water. And I, it, like, but that's an intuitive sort of enlivening experience versus protecting myself. Right? So, yeah, so it's a different way of perceiving. And I think it's uh, when we choose to move through the world feeling victimized by what other people are doing or how they're going to impact us versus us developing more access to choice around how we allow that to happen or not. Quite and to empowering. Take responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Very good. For someone who's very stressed, but who cannot for some reason meditate or feel like very stressed even to meditate. Yes. Uh, do you have like um, a little exercise, very simple, yeah. like a meditation for beginners or yeah. anything? Yeah, the breath, right? And so as I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, when we shallow breathe, which is what most of us are doing unconsciously, you know, for, 
it's just we're in that fight or flight state. We're literally telling our body we're in a state of emergency. So if you place your hands on your belly and you just take a few deep breaths into your belly and really expand the bottom tips of your lungs, you begin to switch into a parasympathetic state. You begin to shift the chemistry of your body. You begin to release feel-good hormones, right? You're not going to be eaten by the tiger or the bear, your to-do list, your inbox, right? So just slow down. How long? Even just a few breaths can begin really? to shift, okay. yes, right? And I understand, you know, this whole concept of it's even stressful to meditate, right? <laughs> Especially if we think that to meditate means you have to completely quiet down the mind. There's so many different ways to access a shift in consciousness, right? And so the reality is a lot of times, even if you have a very committed meditation practice and you do Vipassana and you sit for 45 minutes twice a day, if you're just pushing against the feel, the thoughts and like having this sort of concentration, it's like a mental practice, right? But what we want to do is be able to actually have more of an embodied experience. And then that way, then life becomes a meditation, right? So it's not that you have to sit for 45 minutes, although that's good training, and there's many different paths to the truth. So each one has its value. I've done Vipassana myself. I've gained from all the experiences. But what I prefer to do is to be able to, moment by moment in our daily lives, to slow down enough to be present. Right? And so then life becomes a meditation or, or a process of contemplation more so than meditation. Right? And in that awareness, when we're having feelings, right? so something comes up, and I think this is a, a really um, potent way of developing a relationship to our feelings. Because a lot of times in this age of distraction, right? it's like, oh, Instagram, like we have a feeling like Instagram, Facebook, like uh, drinking, smoking, Netflix, whatever it might be. Like, I don't want to feel. I don't know how to feel. It's too intense. We resist it. right? When we resist those feelings, those feelings get stuck in our physiology. And I always like to say in classes, like, you know, if something, when we overreact, that's life bumping up against unintegrated emotion, energy and motion. So when we learn to develop a relationship with our feelings or emotions, energy and motion, in ways that we don't resist it, they move so fast, right? We're able to just let it move through us. And there's so many different ways to do that, right? So if you think of like, you know, when a, when a dog gets scared or, or, you know, they just shake it off, right? An animal shakes off the feeling. So you can like shake it off. You can shake off that emotion or you begin to develop a new relationship. So instead of saying, I am afraid, I am yes. afraid, you say, I'm experiencing fear. Interesting. I'm okay. Just fear. making this little it's shift. It's a shift. It's not yeah. an I am, right? I am scared. No, I am experiencing fear right in this moment. And you just slow down. And you don't even have to give it meaning. You don't have to go into the story, right? I do this multiple times a day where I just slow down like, oh, I'm feeling fear right now. And it just moves through. I'm experiencing a little tension and then it moves through. Right? And then we don't resist and we don't label, you know, when we're feeling excited and joyful, we don't sit down and like, why am I feeling joyful and excited? <laughs> right? We just let the energy move through yeah. us. It is time for the great harvest of the day in Kaplankaya. If something could be done easily and would make the world a better place, what would it be for Lisa de Narvaez? Well, it's an interesting question because it's easy. It's simple, but maybe not easy. <laughs> and I think what could have the biggest impact in the world, and I was actually speaking about this just earlier, and it, it seems like a, like a kind of vague concept to say that to know ourselves is source, okay? To know ourselves is source. But the reality is that it's the truth, 
So this whole, you know, we hear it all the time in the spiritual world, like everything you want is within you, and we're like, yeah, whatever, but no. But the reality is it's true. So when we begin to cultivate this knowingness, right, that we are loved exactly as we are, that we are worthy exactly just because we are, right? There's nothing we have to do. It's our beingness, right? When we begin to cultivate that embodied knowingness of who we are, then we move through the world in a very different way. So as opposed to doing things to get, right, to get love, to get worthiness, right? Right? We begin to act from a place of inspiration because we are full already. So we move out of a consciousness of scarcity to a consciousness of abundance. When we live in a place of abundance within ourselves, we don't need other things, people, events, success to prove our love, our, our lovability or our worthiness, our intelligence, whatever it might be. Right? Then, that ins then we take inspired action, right? Spirit in. And it's a very different way of moving through the world. So if you think about the impact that the get energy has, Right? If we're trying to get things from our planet or get things from each other, it creates more and more scarcity. Right? And the impact that that has on climate change, on the way we treat others, like everything changes from that place. Right? But when we begin to come from a place of abundance within ourselves, then we get to give from a very different place. And then we get to honor the world we live in. We get to honor our planet. We get to honor each other. We get to give. And I think that fundamental shift in consciousness it's simple, it's not easy because it takes a while to cultivate that awareness, that why. And so I invite people, maybe if I were to simplify it, the answer is to invite people into really checking in around what is their why with every action, right? Why am I doing this, right? Why am I taking, why am I inviting this person? Why do I want this thing to be successful? Why do I wanna do this business? Why do I wanna, why? And it's something I'm trying to prove, something I'm trying to get, or is it a fundamental inspired action? I hope you enjoyed this episode and Lisa de Narvaez's approach to breathing and all that deep breathing can offer you. If you did, please leave us a good review and follow us on Instagram, Harvest Series. Next episode will be with Roman Carrel and Borak Eumann, the founders of Harvest. Don't miss it. Until next time.